Well, greetings and salutations to our p- fine podcast audience. Uh, beep, beep, beep. Yeah. How's everybody doing? Distant from my, me again? I yeah. don't have a sound like Nathan. That's going to be my sound effects. That. That's I would do some like bird you sound, to, but that bird sounds are Joel's thing. That's so Joel's thing. I'm just going to say hi. If you so. listen to Hot 107.9 in the afternoons, they have a live DJ who's mixing. I figured you did not listen to Hot <laughs> 107.9. Neither do I. But if you do, they have a live DJ, and my, my daughter hates it because he's putting sound effects in every time he switches songs. And she's like, that's not how the song goes. There will be lasers <laughs> going off and, and those little klaxon horns going to beep, 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 beep. I would love to have one of those machines. Right? It's oh, awesome, right man. here, right now. Yeah, it's just awesome. hit them. You know, of course, Joel will probably get one soon, and he'll just start adding I, those in. I, you know? That doesn't feel like Joel's personality to oh, me. Oh, I think there's a little of that in Joel. I okay. feel like All Joel's right. got, like, 1990s shock jock sound effects, <laughs> like toilets flushing, yeah. flatulence noises. Nice. Yeah. We could become the regular guys. Hey, there you remember go. Remember the yeah. regular guys? Are I they still existing? They probably the are. Guys? Rock 100. There okay. you go. Maybe. Yeah. Pretty crude guys. They were. They well, were, yeah. Yeah. if you're going to be a rock, you know. That's what you got to yeah, do. that's what you got to do. Okay. So, well, all right, here we are. It is a uh, it's a very dark and dreary day. Uh, very hot day, though. Can you believe how hot it is in is November it? right now? I can. I can because it's <laughs> Georgia. It's, that's right. That's it is we live our lives. So that leads me to I've my... heard rumors that there's climate change. Yeah. Rumors. <laughs> Just rumors. <laughs> rumors. Rumors okay. are said thing. I think there's more than rumors, but okay. <laughs> I also oh, I'm think just that. saying. We'll go with that. But uh, I ain't no scientist, Jason. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so that that maybe the, hail storms happen in Mexico City all the time in the middle of the summer. Maybe that's what's happening, Jason. All right, I ain't we're no a little scientist. off track here. Oh, yeah. sound. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That led I'm sorry me, for bringing that, that up. That, that, the the weather is what led me to my first oh, opening good. question. Oh, here we go. That's why that was my little segue. I'm oh, sorry, there. we screwed it. So, are are, are you guys uh, are you guys uh, still running your AC or have you switched to heat yet? I do still run my AC. Mm-hmm. I am an AC guy. Okay. Yeah, I think we switched to heat those like two or three days that it was like right at thirty two. But do you switch back and forth? Are yeah, you one I have of those to, people? Yeah, yeah, I have to switch back and I, forth. I kind of am one of those people too. I'm just. I'm just I prefer the AC. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I just let but it now, get. Ed and I are. We have discovered we are getting cold in in our older <laughs> age. Yes, I I get cold as I get older. I am cold. Yes, but my wife doesn't has not. So yeah. <laughs> so I'm 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 getting that too. I right? am occasionally these days old guy with a blanket. Mm. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Just huddled up and yeah, exactly. Awesome. I take it you're not that, Nathan. No, honestly, I don't. I'm not. I'm not that temperamental about the weather in general. I don't. Mm. I don't know that I ever am that hot or that cold. We mm. we when once we once we got our uh, all four of our girls, they love to go outside. So even in like. 100 degree weather i'm just sitting outside it, it that doesn't bother me too much and the cold doesn't bother me too much the cold and the heat both really bother my just wife just so easy to get along she with. wants i'm a pretty easy person man to get along you're so with. easy yeah. your wife is a lucky lady I she that's what i tell her every day every day she still don't believe and you. she's asleep i just say it to her she goes back to sleep and then i leave that's great all right we have uh several questions that we i told ed before we started uh, preparing for the podcast, I said, "Ed, we have a flood he of did. questions. Flood, <laughs> he did a flood, which meant three. 
Uh, <laughs> but, that's, for, but for us, that's flood, yeah. man. Yeah, that's yeah, a that's lot that's of right. questions. So we're gonna we're questions gonna get to are right up to our nose level. We could still breathe, but, <laughs> yeah. but we're but we're we're going we're going to knock them down one All at right. a time. Here we go. Uh, so first question that came in, um, it I, I assume it is. Uh, Harkening back a little bit to some things that we talked about in the last series, um, here was their question. I'm anxious about all that is happening in our world. How do I find peace when everything seems to be coming apart? And then they make the distinction. They say, I'm, I'm a believer, but I'm still anxious. Mm. Who wants to start with that one? Well, I'll, I, I, you know what I immediately thought of, and just because three of us just have been having this conversation we're going to talk about this to a degree and come first of the year with the idea of uh, how Jesus brings peace out of your pieces and uh, mm-hmm. yep. that idea that the world's falling to pieces and everything's going to pieces and Jesus offers a life that's whole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the Hebrew word that people, <laughs> shalom, it just means, it means peace, it means wholeness, it means completeness, and Jesus comes to offer us that. So, you know, being a believer often, including in my own life, does not mean I have complete faith and trust in every single circumstance. Sure. So it really is applying what I believe in the moment. So how do I find peace in the middle of it? I have to go back to what do I believe? And I, for me, I have to state it in a way that applies to the moment. So when I'm in situations where something has me off kilter or I feel like something is threatening in some way, as you guys know, I often will say what it's a Dallas phrase. I'll say I've been invited to live in an unshakable kingdom. God's kingdom is not in danger and neither am I. Mm-hmm. And so I have to go back to the rock solid bottom line, which is there isn't anything really ultimately dangerous for me in this world that's right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i think yeah. <clears throat> oh go ahead what no i was i was gonna uh, some of the things that you said were some of the same thoughts that i was having it it I, and i appreciate the questioner letting us know but you know I'm, I'm, i still believe i still feel ang- anxiety uh i think that's a good thing because now as ed said you you've got a place to fall back on you've right. got a foundation to, to to go back to uh if that is true now if you can't, if you find that you can't get back there, um, then maybe there's some more questions that need to be asked right, about right. what do I truly believe. Um, and I've had those conversations with people. Uh, I've said, you know, if, if we really truly believe this stuff, then eventually that's where that's where the the, the foundational line we'll, we'll be able to fall back on it. Um, I was I was just working on um, some material that we're we're going to be uh, giving to our small groups coming up in the new year, and um, was going back to our series that we did uh, back in, it was last fall, um, on anxiety and uh, some of the, some of the, uh, the strategies that we talked about in that series, it sort of reminded me of. And the two that I just keep coming back to is uh, meditation and prayer. Uh-huh. And having moments of, of your day where, um, and meditation is a loaded word. I know a lot of people are afraid of it in the Christian world, but uh, meditation in a Christian uh, context is not emptying the mind, which is what every other connotation is, I believe. It is filling your mind with God's Word. And so the way we practice it is we come, and it's back going back to that foundational thing, is I come back to what has God said, um, 
what has God done uh, as revealed in his word mm -hmm. and reminding myself of that in a place where I can quiet all the other voices because that's that's something we talked about too in that series is there's an enemy he's 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 trying to feed you lies and you've got to cut through the lies and you got to get down to the bedrock truth meditate on that truth and then reconnect with God in those times and I think that's that's an important thing so if you whoever asked this question if you don't have a time in your day where you're regularly and maybe you are where you're regularly soaking your mind in the truths and the word of God um, I think that's huge uh, because it, it, for me, it carries me through the day because when I'm not in those moments of quiet and meditation, I'm, the more I do that, the more I'm able to bring it to the, the front of my mind so that when the lies and the other thoughts start to overpower God's truth, I've got it there with me. So mm. that was two things that I thought of that I would suggest. And, and again, maybe you're already doing that. Maybe it's one of those things where you need more of that. I don't know, but... Well, and I think, I think you have to get yourself to a place where, uh, you know, you talked about shalom, and I think that's such a helpful definition, and to understand what it is you're looking for. I hear so many believers as well talk about anxiety issues as if the solution to anxiety was some kind of zen buddhist uh emotionless life um and I, i'll talk about this even just from um you know lust has been a, primarily in my life a big a big struggle in my life and when i have tried to help other guys through this there there tends to be almost this for certain groups of of christian men i'll say this thought of i'll get to a place where i will just be completely devoid of desire or, you know, for guys who deal with anger, I just won't even feel angry things. Um, but, you know, we even see within Jesus the idea that many of us talk about anxiety. Um, and what we mean is I just have these almost bad negative feelings that I don't like, and I want to rid myself of these bad negative mm -hmm. feelings. Well, we see Jesus, before he dies, he is under such, the word they use is distress. It's so distressing for him, which I would think what many of us would use the term anxiety is mixed into all of that. Certainly, a, sure. I don't want to go do this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, concerned, whatever word. If we don't want to apply anxiety to Jesus, there's some some feeling that we might categorize as, as anxiety that he's feeling in that moment. But what Jesus doesn't have, because he has perfect peace, he has wholeness, and his mind, as you mentioned in meditation, mm -hmm. is set on God. Everything about his life, his, his heart, which we might refer to as like our gut instincts, our desires, right? His, his soul and his emotional weight and his mental energy and his body, everything about that is unified around this trust this confidence that that God's going to work out what's best in every situation um and so I don't have to feel insecure or uncertain so like Jason and Ed have been saying I think if you get yourself to a place where where these negative feelings right which may mm -hmm. which may just be a physical feeling right like a something in this in the stomach and and I go oh that and my mind starts saying oh that must be something I need to to think about and worry about because I'm feeling it Right, it may be there. If that leads me to begin to doubt that God is doing his best or he's working in a situation, then yes, I need to rectify that. But I also may need to understand part of what wholeness is, is when I feel these things, does it lead me to deeper trust in God? Does it lead me to pray? Does it lead me to meditate? Or does it turn me in on myself? 
those are when, at least in my experience, I step outside the kingdom of God. I heard a, um, I believe he was a Franciscan monk who I heard say at one point that every moment should be a, a, a prompt to pray, that every feeling you have should be a prompt to pray. He said even, and he used this term, even lust should be a prompt to pray. Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting thing, and, he's, and I don't think his point was even just God... Take this way so I don't feel it. But even just acknowledging maybe what I'm categorizing as lust is an acknowledgement of beauty in the world. And there's a part of this where I, I turn that to God and I turn my brain to that thought of God and what God is doing in the world. He is, as I believe it's in Isaiah, it says, the mind that is kept on God is held in perfect peace. In peace. And yeah. when you said shalom, that in the Hebrew, originally that's shalom, shalom. They didn't have a way to explain two shaloms back to back, but shalom means wholeness. And in the Bible, when you see perfect, often the word perfect actually just means wholeness. It's a way to say something has been made complete. Complete. You are in perfect peace when your mind is set on the fact that you're stable, you're safe. So the only point I wanted to bring, because I agree with everything to say, meditation has been huge for me. I I try to practice it every single day. Um, but that doesn't mean that it leads me to a place where I never have negative feelings or yeah. I never, but I hear many people, and I'll mm-hmm. say this, people in my age group in particular, because they're the people I talk to uh, the most and I'm counseling the most, um, really do believe there's going to exist, there exists a world where things don't really concern me and things don't make me upset or things don't. And so when you talk about like the way the election goes or the way there's unrest in our world or there's injustice, I think some people think I should almost... <laughs> like this, I'm walking anymore. above it all, and <laughs> yeah. that I don't even feel it, and I don't experience it. And you bring up a good point, and I hadn't had this thought until you said it that way, but um, back to the original question was, and I feel these anxious thoughts. Well, it is a, it is a, a, a wise thing to take that thought and go, what is, what is that anxiety about? Yes. Right. And, and if it is a, just a reminder to me that I am not in control. Right. Because that's what anxiety typically is, or is I feel out of control or something's wrong or I see something wrong. in the wrong and that's clearly wrong that's right but if it is just a reminder that I'm not in control of the situation that's not for the for the believer that's not a bad thought no. oh it's the right thought it, it is truth it it's really the most <laughs> truth you can get yeah. to and so what I what it ought to remind me of of oh okay i'm i'm not running this show and yeah. and that's all right because i'm i'm in the unshakable kingdom like you said it yeah well and i think that is how the how the kingdom becomes reality for us you know i think more and more in my life the the kingdom is has become more clear the more i look at jesus i think Growing up, I always heard of the kingdom of God, and I mean, it didn't mean anything to me. I just assumed it was interchangeable with heaven, uh, yeah, with he- yeah. or the afterlife in mm-hmm. particular, right? Like, I do think it probably is interchangeable with heaven in the sense well, that, right, that God is bringing heaven to earth exactly. through us, the but intersection when, of heaven, and earth. right? But my right. idea was always that heaven was somewhere far off, distant, and I would be there when I die, but. When I can see that part of it, and you talk about living in the unshakable kingdom, I think many of us hear that, and we just think, okay, great. You know, I always remember, I think there's Brian Regan is a comedian, and he always tells a joke about um, the guy who, you know, they they can tell what whales are saying to one another. And he's like, you know, it's just a scientist who's just sitting in his thing, and he just hears them, and, you know, he hears, 
He goes, hmm, he must be lonely. And he writes it down and he brings it to the guy and he's like, this is what the whales are saying. And they're like, thanks, Brad. Okay, going to put that down. Like they have nothing to do. I think that's how many of us do when we hear kingdom of God. I think many of us just hear it and go, okay, thanks. But what we're saying is that there is a actual reality that exists and what biblical writers would say manifest becomes real when i set my mind on what jesus and god are doing in the world in that moment i am bringing the rule and reign of god into our world through me mm-hmm. that by, by and I, I think this is a, a jewish um rabbi and psychiatrist who wrote a book um oh i'm trying to think it's a leadership book in the 90s I'll think of it in a little bit what it's called, but his point was families, organizations change when there is one non-anxious presence, one person who is not swayed by their own emotions Mm -hmm. or their own desires or instability, but they know what the right thing to do is and they are willing to just say it. They don't even have to be the person in charge. If they are willing to just themselves go, hey, I know everything's chaotic, everything changes. Well, I think Jesus is the clearest example of a non-anxious. He just enters things. He doesn't force anyone to do anything. He just enters into a situation. And by doing that and staying calm and focused on what he is, it doesn't mean he wasn't feeling anything. And we've said this recently around here is if I'm a a follower of Jesus who is firmly living in his kingdom, then every place that I go into, I just make better. Sure, and, and that's right. And that's what the kingdom of, of God breaking into this world is. Even when I'm, I can be standing in a room where everything, I mean, you can imagine the, the worst of the worst is happening. Everything is chaotic. Everything is backwards from the way God would have it. And even in that place or in that environment, the kingdom can be right here within me. That's right. And <laughs> begin to break forth in that place, even if I'm the only one. And, mm-hmm. and if I can, mm-hmm. if in that moment I can be okay within myself to know, hey, I'm okay in this moment. The kingdom of God is here because I'm here and God has put me in this place. And I can begin to, to pray, God, where are you at work in this and how can I join you? Mm-hmm. What, what is it I can say? What can I do? How could I join you in the work you want to do in this moment? It not only calms me down to remind me of a truth, God is already at work. Absolutely. He already is at work. Before I noticed there was something wrong, God knew there was something wrong. He's at work. And if I'm willing, he can use me in some way, which gives me purpose in this moment. And haven't y'all known somebody? I know you all know somebody in your life that when they enter into a room, it doesn't matter what's happening, they bring with them that Mm-hmm. presence. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I've known several people in my life yeah. that I, I know if they just walk into the room, things are going to get better. Things are going to calm down just by their mere presence. Well, and I'll say this, and I, I've said to people almost the same thing. I think people can often see it in the reverse too. Many of us have somebody in yes. our family who is carrying a kingdom kind of thing with them and they carry it in their body. And when they walk in their room, anxiousness appears bad and it impacts the whole room yeah well if that can impact the whole room if i carry the opposite in me and i'm willing to Mm. i can also have that impact because greater is the one that's in us than the one that's in the world absolutely that that's that right there that little piece of application has been the thing just in the past couple of weeks when we started saying that phrase in discussions around here that is just 
given me handles to to think when I walk into a room. I'm I'm just I'm here to make things better. I can just make it better. Yeah, and, well, and, and I have that ability living within me. Yes, and, and I think we have to we have to hold loosely for many of us even what better means. Sure. Because things may not tangibly get better. No. Like you walking into the room and maybe calming someone down, but the fight still goes on. You can't control. Like I think about Jesus mm-hmm. walking. Jesus walked into many situations, and we know he made it better. But in the moment, the situation was still terrible. Or might like, have got a little worse. Or yeah. maybe even got <laughs> it, depending on your definition of what better That's, is. Yes. Because yes. for some people, Jesus enters in, and you got a guy, and I had a good job getting fish, fishing. Then by the end of my life, I'm crucified upside down. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, <laughs> that don't feel better. But mm-hmm. in the long run of things, and I think we often are so impatient. What we think is, and what I often think in myself is, I'm, I need to make things better, which means I got to get super politically involved and make well, changes. Well, often or, when we hear better, because we can't get outside of ourselves, we think better for me. Mm-hmm. I need to make things better for me. And often so many of us are uncomfortable with what's happening in the situation. I'm trying to figure out how to make me feel better sure. and how to make the situation so I can operate in the way I want to. Mm-hmm. But you use the illustration of being crucified. I have to, I really do believe they thought they were making a step forward by giving their life for what they believe. Oh, I do believe that. So, yeah. If you had asked Peter before he's crucified upside down, are you making things better? He goes, yeah, my death will make this better. Mm-hmm. Sure, will, because the, they had a loose definition of better that was not... About me. It's not, or or my about life this is present gonna, moment. Or about this right, present moment. that's what I mean. I'm going to give... We often have... What, I'm, what, I, was so trying, I, what I was trying to say is that we often want to think in direct one-for-one relation. I enter a situation and everyone's having an argument. I calm everybody down. We come to a resolution. Everyone forgives one another. We, I made it better. But what better may just mean is I walked into the situation and I loved somebody. They still don't like each other. I didn't fix anything for them. Or, I, you know, it's, 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 there's turmoil in our country and I'm go, I got to go in and I got to fix this injustice or I got to do this. I play my role that I have been given to play, and sometimes in the situation that's to remain silent, sometimes it's to speak up, sometimes it's different things. I am I'm called, and there may not be a direct one-for-one that I can look back on, because we were talking about martyrs, that we can't always look one-for-one, but with the scope of history, we look right. back and go, look at the weight of what this did. And as you said, if my focus is me and my personal impact, I may I may not see that on this this mm. side, yep. but if my goal is better, is always followed by obedience to Jesus, because many of us will worship at the altar of what change I can make, and we we get to the place of the ends justify the means, and whatever it takes for me to get the result I'm looking for, we'll get ourselves there. And I just read a quote the other day that said. Uh, Peace is not the ends, peace is the means and the ends. Mm. That when I enter into a situation, I make wholeness by making things whole, not by, and I think about it with children, right? I'm trying to bring peace to my children and you walk into a situation, you don't, you don't always, uh, you're not going to consequence or lecture your kids always into it. You being peaceful in that situation. That's exactly right. Um, and just to bring that whole discussion to a close, the only other thing that I had thought of to say to the, the person who asked the question about anxiety was, uh, if you don't have some people to help remind yes. you of that 
truth that I just talked to you about of meditating on every day, you got to have that too. Um, that yeah, community is so important. Yeah, yeah. It, because I, and I see this most uh, lived out in the, the relationship between me and my wife. Um, I, there, it's, it's uncanny sometimes how when I am disconnected from the truth and my thoughts are anxious or down or whatever they might be, she just tells me the truth. Yep. And and yep. I have done the exact same thing for her. Yep. And she's been in and and so the fact that we are present with one another hopefully there's not going to be a time when both of us are off track sometimes, but most well, often one of us are there, gonna have it. Even if there is, Jason, the importance at that point is for me to have other relationships around me yep. and yeah. her. Yep that we trust that when they speak to us, mm -hmm. we trust what they yes, say. It right. is to build a relational world that's bigger than me or bigger than me and my family because mm -hmm. we could go through a tragedy sure. where we both need to be reminded. Sure. That's right. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I think there's an importance to what, what you're talking about there, Ed, of submission to other people that 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 is, you know, commitment requires submission. I can't, I don't really commit when I say, I'm going to do this as long as it's what I like. That's not a commitment. Mm -mm. That's, that's a basic implied understanding of how life works. That's basic economics. I will do it as long as it's good for me. That's a, that's a good thing. But there's a level of saying, I have these people in my life, and I allow them to speak truth to me, and I will, I will help them to, I will allow them to help me trust it even when I can't. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's huge. Yep. So uh, and if you want more on this, uh, like I said, we did a series back in the fall of 2019. It's called Hope and Anxiety. Uh, you'll find the playlist right here on our YouTube channel, if that's mm -hmm. where you're watching, or on our uh, podcast feed. Uh, search for that, find it, and um, just review that, even if you were there. It, for me, I even went back and reviewed it just recently in something else that I was doing. It helped me. So that's another resource that you might want to take advantage of. All right. Second question that we had come in, and... Uh, I'll just read it as it was written, and uh, we can go for it. It says, I just watched CCC Anywhere. Thanks for watching. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and this is uh, directed a little bit to Ed. Ed said, and this is just last week, I, I imagine, this past Sunday. Ed said, everything had been removed from God's side that keeps us from being connected to him. What is it that separates me from God? What do I need to do on my end? What did Jesus do that removed the separation? And then they say, I know that's a lot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so um, do you need me to go back over the questions? Did y'all catch all those? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a great question. What separates me from God? What do I need to do? And what did Jesus do that removed that separation? Uh, what separates us from God is sin is the way the Bible would use that word, which sin is what I have done to violate my own standards, God's standards. Mm -hmm. It's, it's things that I do that violate love for myself and love for others, love for God. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a violation of it. Most often it is I choose to do what I want to do mm -hmm. in spite of what might come out of that. Mm. I mean, often I don't know what will come out of it. And often I didn't know that there was some other way. Sometimes you know, uh, sometimes I wind up doing things that are just harmful to me that in, no one had ever told me there was another way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that keeps you from God, 
but sin has entered the world through these patterns in our world and the the willful sin on my part is when i make a choice to continue in that pattern yeah, once sure. i know it violates it violates love for me love for other people love for god but i continue in it because it's what i've chosen and mm-hmm. so it separates me from god mm-hmm. well and i think the distinction you made sunday which is very helpful is you know you were you're speaking out of that second corinthians passage and chapter 5, I believe, where he's talking about God reconciles the world, no longer counting sin against anybody, right? And the, yes. right, that he's removed this barrier. And like you said, ultimately, the thing that, that keeps, that is separating you and God is you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That, that it's, that it's, that it is you that, and I, and I mean, we don't even have to come up with an analogy. Jesus gave us the, the analogy of how this works with the very famous story of the prodigal son That's of, right. you know, the son, who in this case represents us, right, turns from his father, says, give me your stuff. I want to go off and live. He goes off and, in effect, racks up a huge debt between mm-hmm. the father and him of, I've taken your money, I've gone and recklessly spent it, and I've done all these things. And by by that nature, he and his father were cut off from one another societally, by every, even legally in that society, that there was no way they could come back. But when the when the by all that it took for the son to get to be made reconciled with his father was for him to come home. That's all, and and which and, and really not even come all the way home. No, just no. he just kind of started walking in he, that direction. He, yeah, he just start. We don't know how far. That's yes. right. we don't know how far he got. That's but right. But we know that when he turns and says, "I'm going to do this," there wasn't this. And the thought was in his head at that point. I'm never going to be a son again. That's right. right. He didn't even have to believe the full truth well, he says, of I how good be- his father actually was. Right. He, mm-hmm. he didn't have to believe that. He just had to believe there was a possibility I can go home. Well, and I think it's the nature of when we get to a place where we see, we see this the good news of the kingdom, that Jesus is inviting us into a kingdom with him. And so the, the issue comes down to, and this is what you were talking about when you talked about sin, is where do I place my allegiance? Where is the place that I submit my authority to? Is it going to be me and whatever decision I feel is right for me, which we would call sin, right? If I just make the decision for me and what's going to make things best for me, well, that by its nature is sin. But if I choose to say, hey, I want to live with my Father. I want to live in his kingdom, God says, well, that's great. This huge debt you racked up, I'm not even counting that anymore. Mm-hmm. This sin, it's just... that. Yeah, they is, never even talk about it. Yeah. They, he in the, in that, there's nothing you have to climb over. And I do really think that's the important distinction when often people think about, so what's the difference between Old Testament and Judaism and mm-hmm. Christianity and every other form of religion? Everybody else, including the way God was dealing with people in the Old Testament, was there's a way to deal with your sin. It's a sacrifice. It's right. a mm-hmm. prayer. It's a something. And what happened at the cross is God said, I'm going to take care of all of that from my yes. end. I'm just going to take care of that once and for all. That is all done. From my end, I no longer deal with you on, on account of your sin. Mm-hmm. that you're, I'm not even thinking about those things. Mm-hmm. I'm watching you off in the far country in the prodigal son, mm-hmm. and the moment you turn and believe, yeah. all you have, and really all you're believing is he can be trusted. I was going to say, it's just trust. It's, it, he it's can trust. be, because 
And it wasn't even the right amount of trust. No. The, the boy says to himself, I'm no longer worthy. Well, that's not what the father thought. Right. Mm-hmm. The father was way more gracious than he thought he would be. Mm-hmm. But even the fact at the point that the boy had the wrong thought of, I'll go home and I'll be a servant, that was enough for the father. Because mm-hmm. it says when he was still far off, and mm-hmm. it, I think I told you all on this podcast, it wasn't until just reading that a little bit ago that it got it, to me, I mean, the father knows what's going on the whole time. Somehow he knows. He's in he a saw him in the pig pen. Yeah, he knows all of that. He knows he's either got spies that are going. Somehow yeah, he, he knows it. what's happening. Yeah. And I believe when he, I think the moment the boy is turning and he starts walking, the dad is going after him. Yeah. yeah. The dad's going. He's not waiting for him to get close enough. He's going. Well, and I think it gets to another question that it's tangential to this, but I think it's very critical to the deeper idea we're getting to, which is, um, this idea that people have of God kicking people out and sending them to hell or God sends somebody to hell. Mm. The the issue, if even if you just take this analogy of a father-son in a being in the home relationship. I remember I once had a conversation with a student. They said, I don't see why if God loves us, why if heaven is his home, why he would kick us out of his home. And I said, you're thinking of it backwards. I said, God is the father who says, I have a room for you. I'm waiting for you. You can choose the room, but you don't have to choose me. If you don't like living in my house, in in the way I say people treat each other in this, the door is open and you can go. I promise you, it's worse out there than you think it is. And many parents have been in this situation. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, shouldn't God, if he loves him, just keep him? And I said, yeah, you're thinking that what heaven would be is God just goes, hey, you can keep living in your room and do whatever you want. And but, to say the person say, I don't want, I hate this room. I right. want out of it. And God said, unfortunately, I have to lock you I, in your room. I love you too much. And so you're uh, you're in jail. Yes, right. And you that's what I said is you cannot leave. Yeah, I said the the what the situation you imagine of God putting someone in heaven who wants out mm-hmm. is the same as someone kidnapping their own adult child and locking them in their room till they're 40 going cuz I go I know this is better for you. I know this is better. You don't ever get to go experience it. Well, we know that's not love. And I think that gets to the point of God saying in my home there is nothing that keeps you in or out other than you. So I, I want to get to the things. end of that question before I spend too long. I just want to make sure you say you the end of it. What do I have to do? Mm-hmm. That's the question. It really, if I were at a place, it really does start. And Nathan brought up a great example with the prodigal son. You have to get to the point to begin to ask yourself, what do I believe about God, and is He enough? for me to trust just a little. Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't have to have all the faith that other Christians seem to have. Right? Do I think he's good enough that if I turn toward him, he might receive me? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's all. Yes. And once you do that, God will take steps toward you. And once you take those steps, I believe all the rest of them, because honestly, once you take that step, you're saying, okay, I'll... I'll take the first step. And so the first step with God is you just you just say, I trust that. I really do. Publicly, there's a part of that because God knows from our point of view, and I believe all of this, the things that are tangible that God gives us, like communion is tangible, I think that's for our benefit. God oh, doesn't yeah. need to see me take bread and wine yeah, to yeah. prove something to no. him. It's not him checking something off. God asking me to relate to other people and not to forsake gathering with other people, that, 
God's not taking attendance like he's going, oh, gosh, they were so close. They were at 82%, mm-hmm. and I was going to give them 83 It's not about that. He knows that there's a tangible part of this that I need. Yeah. And so the first step is a public, I say to people, I trust just enough. And so I'm baptized. Mm-hmm. And that tangible thing is for me. Yeah. I won't ever forget going underwater Right. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll remember the day, and I'll remember why I did it. For me personally, I never will forget mine. I had it happen twice, once because I thought people wanted me to do it. It completely didn't take, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I had to leave everything. And then once because it was my heartfelt thing of I just wanted, I wanted to not be separated anymore, mm-hmm. and I believed just enough. I had no clue where that was going. Mm. From there on, the Spirit then begins to lead me, and if I just will stay at that, I believe He's good enough because trust just means I have looked at you, and it's not about me having a certain amount of trust. It's you being worthy of my trust. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's do it. do I think right thoughts about you? And so I'd say to you, if if you're at a place and you go, I don't, I don't think He is trustworthy, well, that's what you need to start working on. Mm-hmm. What what thoughts do I have? What do I need to work through with somebody? What questions do I need to have answered? What is it about God's character? Not about Christians, not about this world. What is it about God that I need to get figured out to just say, okay, I trust enough? Well, and I would encourage you just to, to reach out to us and beyond an anonymous question. Uh, that that you would have that you that you would reach out. We have an email help at community-christian.net or any of our emails, which are just well in or on CCC anywhere. Yeah. We have the text number, the contact right. us page, and yeah. at least we can have a back and forth conversation in that way. And the good thing about the text thing, you're still a little bit. We don't sure. know your name. Sure. We'd yeah. like to know. I mean, I think hopefully you get to the point you can trust us enough to do that. But back and forth conversation on this would be better. But I'm honored you asked the question. I'm honored Absolutely. you listened to it. Mm-hmm. I I yeah. hope what we've said has helped. But it's it's in the end, it's trust. But it's not the importance of the amount you have. It's who you're putting that little bit of trust in. Mm-hmm. And then uh, finally, um, and I'm, I think it was the same questioner, but I'm not sure, had, had asked a really quick, simple question, what is sin? And uh, we're really not going to have time to get into it today, but here's what I'll tell you. Um, we're putting a link in the description of this uh, podcast or this video um, uh, to where a, a place where we actually did answer that question a few months back. Uh, so producer Joel is going to put that in there for us. So he's promised us. He told me he could do whatever and I asked I him to do. And I trust in him. And I, I do too. So he's going to put that in there, and you can uh, listen to that. It's a uh, little more on this whole topic, and it kind of gives you a little a more concise answer to that question. So uh, I want to get to this final uh, thing, and it uh, it is about... Uh, Ed, what you talked to us about on Sunday in this message titled, What Are We Doing? <laughs> best best title ever, by the way. Um, <laughs> what are we doing? Well, you know, for me, that's, I don't come up with creative titles. I know that. That's I what I'm saying. Say, really direct statements. That's, that's the way Ed titles his message. What are we doing? Well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, there was some stuff that you said you weren't able to flesh out uh, on Sunday. Uh, in our experience this past weekend that you wanted to get into uh, mainly about this difference of how we are now approaching church. I, I don't know what how else to say it. The difference between what we, the church, are doing versus what you, those of you who are part of, of Community Christian, whether you are part of our online or our on-site gatherings, 
uh, talk a little bit to us about that difference. Well, I just, I, I guess, I, I'm not saying I didn't say enough, and maybe you thought I said more than enough. I just know that we have a tendency with anything that's a little bit slight variation of what we thought to have to have it repeated. And the difference is between the responsibility of we corporate, and I mean by that, I mean what we are collectively all doing together, like Thanksgiving meal, which isn't happening this year in the way it was, uh, what we do with Christmas Coweta, what we do with supporting missions in Haiti, and what we individually are doing. And so for a long time, it's been a big we. We're doing lots and we'd say, hey, you go out and you meet your neighbor's friends and all that kind of stuff, get to know them, and then invite them to the bigger we, and we will do this thing together. We will explain Jesus to them. We'll help them get them on track. We'll get them in relationships. We'll all of that kind of stuff taking place. But it, what happened when we shut down is it became really clear to me we had put so much emphasis on this one thing that primarily happened on Sunday in small groups, but primarily it was a Sunday focus, is that the church didn't shut down because it wasn't God's design. You can't, you can't shut the church down because right. God has always had it over in this, that it's the body of Christ dispersed mm -hmm. and that the we part, the staff, the leaders, the elders, the apostles, all of that kind of stuff is equipping the bigger body of Christ to carry out their work. Yeah. And so I just wanted us to have a chance, all three of us, to talk about that, how we understand it. And I made fun of the fact that I had said best year ever at the beginning of 2020, and we taught that series. <laughs> but I had said to our staff, that's the change we've got to make. I had seen that that's a change. We, we just didn't know it was going to come so quickly yeah. that we had to shift back to this Ephesians uh, idea of our job is to equip the body of Christ so they can do the work of ministry mm -hmm. so that it can be done there. And the impact will be much greater oh, once yes. we can get that done in our minds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what you all want to say about that. I just wanted to I wanted to reemphasize that a little bit. And, mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's an important distinction you made. Um, nobody knows this because they don't sit in the meetings that we have uh, week to week. But we were having these conversations before COVID, right. um, and and I've heard people say this a lot that at least in the church world that the the situation surrounding COVID didn't really create something new per se. It just accelerated. It was like stepping on the gas of everything that was already coming. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. That's the way I, I see it right now for us. It, was, it forced us to make certain changes that probably were, were coming in the next few years anyway. Well, there's, there's been this thing going on in the church world, you know, that we went through mega churches. That's been the thing of the last few years. And, yeah. and then it went to multi-site churches, and you would take a mega church, and you'd have these smaller sites. But the, the thing that had always been being talked about, ultimately, you have to go to micro, which mm -hmm. micro mm -hmm. is really in the, the impact. We know around the world that the impact has always been when a culture gets micro churches in place where everybody sees it as every mm -hmm. believer surrounds themselves with a few other believers who they go on mission to do these things in their world. Boy, the kingdom of God just explodes. That's the yeah. way it started in Acts 2. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know one one uh, analogy we've used um, around here. We actually heard someone else use the analogy, but um, 
was this idea of the difference between uh, hotels and Airbnb that, you know, um, for the longest time, the kind of church model was more of like a hotel model, which is right. We have a facility, we have this and you can come to us and we'll, we'll let you kind of, you know, you can stay here and you can do that. But what Airbnb did that really, and for many people has kind of upended the vacation business in lots yes. of ways. Well, and it's upended the whole hotel industry. And That's everybody. what I mean. Yeah, everybody. just everybody, yeah. even mm-hmm. the, just the tur- tourism industry is that they went to people and they said, hey, you have facilities mm-hmm. and you couldn't, you couldn't house a thousand people in your facility, but you could house two people in your facility. And if you do it, we'll help you. We'll give you the platform where you can help mm-hmm. people can find your home. We'll, we'll help resource you with whatever you need and you can come and people can come stay in your apartment or your condo or wherever. And, and within those, anybody who's ever done enough Airbnb knows there's various models of that. There are people who have vacation homes that they let people, but sometimes if you go to like a big enough city, you're staying in the home with the people like the it's a mo- bedroom. Yeah. You're in it. <laughs> you're renting right. a bedroom. And yeah. so the point is, now you have these varying degrees. I saw one the other day that was like you were renting, like, and it's not even like a trailer, like a like a trailer park trailer. It's like a van that somebody has put, like a <laughs> oh, bed yeah. in, you know, like, and they've just, they've, but I mean, you. RVs, you're renting RVs at yeah. people at park places. And like people, this was actually like a 15 passenger van that they had outfitted. Oh, wow. As a, right. as one of those tiny home things. Anyway, my point was. <laughs> My point is you have all of this flexibility and you have this ability to move. And so what we what we really have been thinking about, and like they've said, we've been thinking about this for a while, and um, having this idea of saying you have places that the church can't ever get into yeah. because of just the nature of, you know, when we started Microsoft, well, when we started multi-site, what we said is now we can be at the movie theater. Well, that's great, but we can't be in your gym and we can't be at the doctor's office where you work, and we can't be in your school when there are other students in the school, but you can. And if you saw it as my responsibility that I am, as, as Ed said Sunday, and I mean, the Apostle Paul's words, right? The ambassadors of Christ, right? That everywhere I am, I am representing Jesus to these people. And so, you know, I think the the best thing that you can do at this point, if, if any of that interests you, is um, I've been leading some people through similar ideas for a while now, and the, the number one thing we always say is you, you start with prayer, and it's important to have a place mm. um, that, that you know, when you talk about kingdoms, kingdoms em- embody in a place, right? No one's like, I'm, you know, I mean, you can try. Like, everyone always makes jokes about international waters and, like, what you can do. It's like, it's not its own kingdom, right? Because there's no place. Like, no one has authority there. And so you you have a place, right? And it could be my gym, or it could be, hey, I'm stuck at home right now, and so I'm going to find a community online. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the, the gaming community. It could be community. a group of guys that ride motorcycles together. Yeah, it could it be. It could be anything. Yeah, you say, this is, these, these are, this is my place. These are my people. I'm just going to pray for them and pray that God opens opportunities, and then I expect that he's going to do it. And that expect part is just, I mean, it is, it's just it's massive yeah. because I see so many people, and I, I, I've lived my life this way most uh, most of my life and many days still um, where I go, you know, I just don't think God's listening to my prayers. Uh, 
But so often when I'm expecting it, I see it. And you use the prayer, uh, the quote from William Temple that I love, which is, you could see it as a coincidence and go, mm-hmm. well, once you expect it, it's just a coincidence. But as William Temple says, when I pray, coincidences happen. Sure. When I don't, they don't. So whether it is just a coincidence or it's, and I'm just taking advantage of the thing God wants me to do and God had nothing to do with it, he was just telling me to do it. Okay, that's fine. Doesn't I pref- matter. Yeah, but I will say this. I prefer to view the world where I have a heavenly father who wants to work with me. And so when I pray, he says, hey, I've been wanting you to do that all along. So here you go. In fact, I was already working and I couldn't get you to pay pay attention. Yes. Yes. And so that's really what we want to do. If you're... If you look around your neighborhood, you know, we talked about neighboring for years. If you looked around your neighborhood and you saw, man, I got this neighbor and I don't know, I don't know what the church could do to reach them. You're probably right. I don't know what we could, because you may never be able to get them or at least for a long time to physically walk through the the doors of a church building. And if that's your only avenue, you probably, you might have written them off at this point and said, well, they're just unreachable Mm -hmm. because they're never going to, and I don't mean, I don't just mean for COVID reasons. You may just know, I had someone recently that I was coaching through this and they said, if I bring up the word church, they walk away. If I say I have a friend from the, if I, they were talking about, I said, hey, a friend from church said this. They shut down and walked away. I wasn't even inviting them to church. By saying church, it made them walk away. And that may be their thing. You may have to pray and look for opportunities, but we want to help you. If you don't know what to do, reach out to us. We want to help you in this because we, yeah. we're here to equip and resource you to, to do what God's and, called you to And that's really the big change I think I'm hoping people will make at our church. In the past, we had to be focused on bigger things because when we would propose something, we would know that maybe if we did Thanksgiving meal, I could have predicted 150 to 200 volunteers are going to show up. But you don't need that many to accomplish whatever no. you need. You may need a friend. You may need two friends. You maybe you need five friends. I don't know what you need to accomplish what you need to. But the benefit is of now we can take the 100 volunteers and we can, we can do 50 projects. We mm-hmm. can do... We can do 20 projects, yeah. but if we have to continually think of the ideas, we're always thinking big because we don't know all the places you are. We don't know all the things that God's put on your heart. So I say, you know, pray for a place. And often it's also pray for a problem. If there's a problem you see in the world, maybe it's mm. a system, maybe God's calling you to do something about that. And you ought to say, God, where are you at work in this? How can I begin in that place? And there will be people, I believe, that God is also calling around that. You may want it to be 50, but you don't probably need 50. And, and don't discount it just because it's you. Yes, because it's you. <laughs> I, oh, well, I can't be the one. Well, m- maybe you could. I'd say there's a lot of great movements that were started with one person. Almost and everybody in the Bible, when God calls, first calls them, goes, mm-mm, yeah. no, I think you got the wrong person. And this has already started. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have people already talking about it. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'll just say, when we say we've been talking about it, Nathan has been leading an experiment for us for a few Mm -hmm. years in this Mm -hmm. kind of world as we began to try to think about it. And so there's a group of people that have been trying this and successfully Mm -hmm. in in the last couple of years. So we can do this. We just, it's all gotten accelerated, which is a good thing. Yeah. It's where we wanted to go. I'm not sorry God pushed the pedal down. No, No. not at all. (laughs) Well, as yeah. long as it's him pushing, I'm okay. Yeah, exactly. With it. That's all. Well, right. and I do think that that phrase that we're, we we just talked about—if you just see it as I got to make—I got to make this place better—and um, you and once again you hold that loosely. And what I mean by loosely is not success oriented, mm-hmm. not right. 
So because I go and I pray for my neighbor, the next time I talk to them, they're going to be following Jesus, you know, or uh, there's a, there's a problem I want to help with racial justice and I need to have this many measurable success. It, it may just be the first success may be that you're finally praying about it and thinking about it. And that may be it. But if you don't ever start, it's never, it's never going to happen because we as a church have been working on this collectively but I think if many of us are honest, we know the church collectively has done it. And we've said, look at what my church has done. Mm. And I haven't done anything. Mm. And yep. I get to claim some of the credit without getting to be a part. This is a chance for you to do something you're uniquely talented at and gifted at. You just have to look for it. I think it's a great opportunity. Cool. All right. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Absolutely. So, yeah. Okay. All right. That's all I got for today. Anything else y'all want to say? No, me either. All right. See you next week. Bye. Bye.